Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. A brand new week of teaching, information, and encouragement are here. Today, James Collins begins an important discussion about the Middle East with Dr. Mark Hitchcock and will examine how the COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated the trend toward a cashless society. A big thank you to everyone who logged on and watched our first ever online prophecy conference. We had reports of people watching all across the country, learning and being encouraged. We hope to bring you more online conferences in the near future. Is the spreading unrest in the Middle East a sign of the end times? Staff evangelist James Collins speaks with Dr. Mark Hitchcock about Israel, the Palestinians, and a timeline for the last days. Almost daily, the headlines scream out about turmoil in the Middle East. However, as alarming as events are today, they are not at all surprising in light of the biblical end times prophecies. Joining me on today's program to talk about conflict in the Middle East and how it pertains to Bible prophecy is Dr. Mark Hitchcock. Dr. Hitchcock is the senior pastor of Faith Bible Church in Edmond, Oklahoma, and he has written over 30 books related to Bible prophecy. Today we're going to be focusing on one of those books titled Middle East Burning, and I believe after you hear Dr. Hitchcock today, you'll want to get your own copy. Dr. Hitchcock, thanks so much for being on the program with me today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, as we move toward the end of this age, the Bible says that there will be major happenings that will lead up to and include the end times. I'd like to talk about some of those with you. First, I want to talk about the regathering, the return of the Jewish people to the Promised Land. Now, Scripture indicates that the regathering of Israel will occur in stages. Would you explain the Valley of the Dry Bones in Ezekiel 37 and how that prophecy is being fulfilled in stages? That's a great prophecy, obviously, one of the great Old Testament prophecies, you know, the Valley of the Dry Bones. And, of course, Ezekiel is looking far into the future, you know, really to events we see happening today of Israel being regathered to their homeland and yeah, it's been going on now for some period of time, but certainly it began in earnest in 1948 with the reestablishment of the modern state of Israel. When you look at Ezekiel 37, it's fascinating there. It talks about these bones joining together, and it tells us in the context what they are. It tells us that it's the house of Israel and the house of Judah coming together. So, you know, there's a lot of allegorical explanations people have for that prophecy, but it's talking about a literal regathering of the nation of Israel. It's not talking about spiritual resurrection or something like that. It mentions you know, about the bones coming together first, and then it says like the skin and the sinew coming, like the tendons, and then the skins there. And then it says that God breathes life into them. And so many have seen there kind of a regathering in stages, that there's a physical regathering of the Jewish people to the land, and then ultimately there's going to be a spiritual gathering of the people to the Lord. And certainly today we're witnessing now that physical regathering of the Jewish people to their land. But we're not seeing that spiritual gathering to the Lord. You know, most people who live in Israel, most Jewish people, you know, the six million or so of Jews who live there don't know the Lord. They've never trusted in Jesus as their Messiah. So we believe that this physical restoration of the Jewish people to their land 
is a precursor to what's ultimately going to take place during the tribulation, where God, through the circumstances he brings in the world, will cause them to turn spiritually to him. And God will breathe life into them, and then in the millennial kingdom, he'll fulfill his covenants with them. So that's a little bit of the difference in kind of these stages. But we're certainly seeing the regathering to the land, this physical regathering today. The next event on God's prophetic calendar, obviously, is the rapture. And if you think there's unrest in the world now, just wait until millions of believers suddenly disappear. And you write in your book here that the rapture could pave the way for world power to fall into the hands of opportunists who are waiting in the wings. Would you elaborate on that? You think about today, you know, the statements out there. I think it was Rahm Emanuel who said initially one of President Obama's advisors, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Well, you know, we see how opportunists have seized coronavirus, you know, COVID-19. We see how people are seizing upon global warming. I think people are going to seize upon inflation that's probably coming. They're going to grab onto that and use that for all it's worth. But think about how opportunists can use the rapture. I mean, you talk about a worldwide crisis or catastrophe. You know, like you say, millions of people disappearing in the world. That is a crisis that won't be lost on the global elites. They'll seize that opportunity to gain all kinds of power. And again, we can only imagine today what that will be like. Now, we know ultimately what it will be like because the Antichrist is going to come and seize upon that and take control of the whole world. But in the initial stages after the rapture, we can only imagine how that will be used by governments, by global elites and others to seize power as people are gripped with fear. I mean, they'll be just paralyzed with fear and people will be willing to give about any power that can be given over to governments and over to leaders to try to bring control out of the chaos. So all kinds of opportunists are going to come out of the woodwork, but ultimately one will rise to the top will be the coming Antichrist. It seems to me that the rapture also would explain the apparent absence of the United States in Bible prophecy. I mean, if the rapture occurred right now, we're still, even though we're becoming more and more a minority, We're still a predominantly Christian nation, and it would seem to me that if the rapture occurred right now, that we would be too weak to be a player on the world stage. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that's true. We don't know for sure how many believers there are in America. The best statistics I've read, you know, George Barna and others have said, you know, when you really get down to people who really believe the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, you know, that being the only hope for salvation through faith in Christ, you're probably talking about maybe 8% of people in America. That's the most reliable statistics I've read. Let's just say that's accurate. That would still would be, you know, 8% of you know, over 300 million people you have here. It'd still be 25 million people. So, you know, it's still a lot of people, and that's the salt and light in our culture being extracted, you know, in a twinkling of an eye in the moment it takes to blink your eye. So, yeah, it would have a devastating impact. I mean, you think about, you know, the, the Dow Jones the next day and you know, unpaid mortgages and, you know, the people in high places in, in government. And we would think that those who are the true believers, that 8% would be many of the most productive people in our culture. So you take that out in a moment of time, and that's going to bring America to, you know, the level of a third-rate nation overnight. Yeah. Well, the Bible teaches that there will be a group of 10 that will rise out of Europe. What part will a revived Roman Empire play in the end times? Daniel chapter 2 and chapter 7 tell us about these four empires that would run their course during this period called the times of the Gentiles. You have Babylon, you have Medo-Persia, Greece, then Rome. But it also predicts a final form of the Roman Empire where it exists under 10 rulers or 10 kings. We know that will be literally fulfilled because all the other parts of that 
vision have literally happened. And we know that Rome has never existed up to now in a form where it's ruled over by ten people. And I take it those ten horns, there's ten toes on the image in Daniel 2, there's ten horns on this beast in Daniel 7. I take it the ten toes and the ten horns speak of ten leaders or individuals. And the reason I say that is in Daniel 7, verse 8, there's another little horn that comes up among the ten horns, and that little horn is a person. He's the Antichrist. So if, if the little horn is an individual, it makes sense to me that the other horns are individuals as well. So the Roman Empire is going to be reunited or revived. There's different terms people use for it in the end times under the leadership of ten rulers. And again, we could see how that could easily happen today in Europe, some kind of ruling committee that could rise. Again, we don't know exactly the nations that will be involved in that. I don't think it's ten nations. I think it's ten leaders of a group of nations. But I believe the Antichrist will arise from the old reunited Roman Empire, revived Roman Empire. Where he'll come from in the Roman Empire, we really are never told. But that is going to be the focal point of the Antichrist world and global empire. Now, again, you mentioned earlier about America, you know, the rapture kind of bringing us to third-rate status, we may be absorbed into the Antichrist empire as well, at least initially, because, you know, that's kind of the natural affinity America has is with Europe. So we could be a part of that initially as well. But, of course, it will expand, and eventually the Antichrist will take over the world in that last three and a half years of the tribulation. will actually dominate the whole world. But it'll start in that reunited Roman empire. There's, I call it the group of ten or the G10. That will kind of be the beginnings of that. I'm talking today with Dr. Mark Hitchcock, who is the author of an incredible book titled Middle East Burning. The book is available by calling 1-800-652-1144, or you can order at our website, swrc.com. Dr. Hitchcock, now Daniel 9.27 tells us that the Antichrist will ratify a peace treaty that will start the final seven years of this age. Tell me about that coming Middle East peace. Now, there's several places in the Bible, I think, refer to that, Daniel 9.27. That's the verse that says that when he comes, and I think that he there in Daniel 9.27 refers back to the Antichrist in Daniel 9.26. He's called the coming prince. It says that he will come and he'll make a firm covenant with the many in Israel for a period of seven years. That's where we get this idea of a seven-year peace treaty and a seven-year time of tribulation in Scripture. Over in the book of Revelation, we have half of that mentioned often of, you know, 1,260 days or 42 months. So it appears that this seven-year period of time, we call the tribulation period, will begin with the Antichrist entering into some kind of a compact with Israel. So the rapture doesn't start the seven-year tribulation. A lot of times people kind of have that misunderstanding. The rapture can happen at any moment. Then there could be a period of time before the tribulation starts when that peace treaty is made. In First Thessalonians 5, it says, you know, while they are saying peace and safety, you know, sudden destruction will come upon them like birth pangs upon a woman. It will be a time of peace at the beginning of the tribulation. In fact, I think the Antichrist probably will be considered the greatest peacemaker of all time, probably win the Nobel Peace Prize, probably, you know, the Times Man of the Year. At some point in time, the iron fist inside that velvet glove will be revealed and he'll dominate the world. But initially, he comes on this platform of peace. When it says there he'll make a firm covenant with the many in Israel, the idea of a firm covenant can carry the idea of a compelled covenant. In other words, he will bring the parties to the table and compel them to do it. It can mean a strong covenant that it's just going to have very strong terms to it. 
it could have the idea if he's going to enforce a covenant that already exists. So there's a lot of different ways to understand that. But the bottom line for all of that is there will be some kind of a peace agreement that will be brokered by the Antichrist. And you, know, you think about what's happening over in Israel now with Hamas, you know, lobbing over 4,000 rockets recently. Israel's been retaliating pretty violently. You've got Hezbollah, you know, right up on the northern border of Israel. Of course, those two groups are just surrogates or proxies for Iran. So, you know, Israel is surrounded by a sea of enemies. So we can see that they desperately need this peace. And interestingly, in the last few months of the Trump administration, were what were called the Abraham Accords. And Israel entered into some normalization agreements with Bahrain, with the United Arab Emirates, with Morocco. So those are fascinating in light of this coming treaty. Now, the Abraham Accords were not their fulfillment of Daniel 9.27, but I really think they're a real preview of what's coming at some point in the future. Well, the Bible seems to indicate that when Israel lets her guard down, will be attacked by a coalition, the coalition of nations with Russia. Would you briefly explain to us the coming battle of Gog and Magog? Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, it's in Ezekiel 38 and 39. It's right after Ezekiel 37, which we talked about earlier, where Israel's regathered. So that's the great precondition for this. Israel has to be in their land. Obviously, they can't be invaded if they're not there. So that part of this prophecy is already in process of fulfillment, Israel being regathered. It also says in Ezekiel 38 several times in different language, it says that Israel will be at rest and living securely when this invasion occurs, which indicates to me that it will be during that first half of the tribulation period when Israel is at rest, they've let their guard down, they've kind of got this guarantee of peace from the Antichrist. And so Sometime while they're living in this peace and security, a group of nations is going to swoop into Israel to try to wipe them out once and for all. And in Ezekiel 38, 1-6, you have ten proper names that are given there. The leader of the invasion is Gog, and you have Magog and Meshach, Tubal, Togarma, you know, Persia, Libya, all these different places. If you go back to the ancient time period and find out where those places are today on a map, it's Russia, it's Iran. It's the nations of Central Asia, kind of the underbelly of the old Soviet Union. It's Libya, Sudan. So these are a lot of the inveterate enemies of Israel today. And it says that in the end times, probably led by Russia and Iran, these nations are going to come down to try to wipe Israel off the face of the map. And so again, you don't have to have a real vivid imagination or know a lot about geopolitics to see how that could easily come to pass in the not-too-distant future after the rapture takes place. Well, the final worldwide struggle will be centered, we know, in the Middle East. What does the Bible tell us about Armageddon? Well, Armageddon's a real place. I don't know if you've been to Israel or not, but I've been there six times. I'm grateful to the Lord to have been able to go over there six times, and I've been to Armageddon. By the way, just a little quick story. We were on a trip to Israel when coronavirus was really breaking out in March of 2020. We got back right as it was just exploding. And a few days after I got back, I was looking online, and I saw an article that said that Armageddon was closed. And I thought, <laughs> you know, kind of the irony of that. You know, I thought, when Armageddon's closed, things have gotten pretty bad. Yeah. So, now, we know when the Lord comes back, Armageddon's going to be open, because he's going to be the one who's going to come and take over. But Armageddon's a literal place up in northern Israel. It overlooks the Valley of Armageddon. It's a little hill there. Armageddon literally means Mount Megiddo looks over the plain of Esdralon, the valley of Megiddo that's there. It's about 20 miles long, about 14 miles wide. It's the gathering place. It's where the armies of the world will marshal and gather in the end for the final great conflict. We read about it in Revelation 14. 
Revelation 16 actually uses the word Armageddon, and then the climax of that battle is given to us in Revelation 19 when Christ comes back and destroys the armies that are there. But it'll be kind of the final battle, really, of this age. And the armies will be gathered together there. And, of course, while they're gathered, Christ, they'll see him returning from heaven. They'll turn to fight against him, and he will destroy them. And after that, he'll set up his kingdom on earth. So it's the final death struggle, really, on earth before the second coming of Jesus. Well, the stage is set. The Middle East is burning. Times are very uncertain, and the prophetic signposts are lining up for the last days, just as the Bible predicted. The critical matter that each of us should consider is where we stand with the Lord. Dr. Hitchcock, would you tell our listeners how they can escape the wrath to come? We escape God's wrath. We put our faith the same place that God put our sins, in Jesus Christ. God put our sins on Him. He paid for it all. The Bible says the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. So we put our faith the same place where God put our sins. We put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone. And God saves us by faith. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. In fact, we can't earn it. All we can do is keep piling up a bigger debt. But Jesus came and paid that sin debt for us when he died on the cross and rose again. So by trusting in him and receiving him, we can have eternal life. The Bible says it really simply in Romans 10:13. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if there's anyone listening who's never done that, that's the most important thing to do, is to trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone to be your Savior from sin. And when you do that, God will give you eternal life, wash away your sins, and you can be assured of a home in heaven someday when you leave this world. Praise God, yes. We've been talking today with Dr. Mark Hitchcock about his page-turning book, Middle East Burning. It is available by calling 1-800-652-1144. Also, it's available at our website, swrc.com. Dr. Hitchcock, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate you being on with me today. Thank you. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow as we discuss Russia rising tomorrow on The Watchman on the Wall. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll have more insight on the Middle East from Mark Hitchcock on our next program. To get a copy of the complete two-day conversation with Mark Hitchcock, call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. James Collins returns now with a moment of prophecy to examine how COVID-19 has accelerated the push toward a cashless society. The COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated the trend toward a cashless society. Experts give two reasons for this trend. First, last year during the lockdowns, people were forced to purchase products from e-commerce sites such as Amazon instead of brick-and-mortar retail stores. Second, people now fear handling paper money and coins over concern that the currency could be contaminated with the coronavirus. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention issued official guidance last year to retail workers in response to the pandemic, which advocated for the use of touchless payment options. After the CDC guidance was issued, cash withdrawals from ATMs plunged 25% across the United States, according to industry figures. PayPal, a digital payment company, saw their payment volume increase by 50% in the first quarter of this year compared with the same quarter in 2020, which was largely pre-pandemic. Square, which processes digital sales, reported an incredible 95% increase in cashless purchases. 
In a San Francisco Chronicle article dated July the 2nd, 2021, a spokesman for Square said, and I quote, The shift away from cash usage in this past year would have taken nearly three years without the pandemic, end quotes. Unfortunately, it's small businesses which suffer the most because of this move to a cashless society. Most banks collect fees on every credit card transaction, and these fees are significant expenses for small businesses. Many mom-and-pop operations that were forced to close during the pandemic have yet to reopen, and some likely will never, ever reopen because of the extra costs involved to move to digital payments. The acceleration toward a cashless society is not surprising, considering Bible prophecy. A cashless society is a requirement for the future one-world system of the Antichrist. The Apostle John prophesied of a day when all the world's buying and selling would be controlled by a single ruler. The Bible says, beginning in Revelation 13 and verse 16, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. Revelation 13 calls for a day when a world leader will require all people to receive a mark in their forehead or right hand, without which they cannot buy or sell. Not too long ago, the idea of a world where one man could control all of the buying and selling on the planet seemed unbelievable. After all, if the world economy were still cash-based, people anywhere who had cash could still buy and sell. Only in a cashless world can the Antichrist control all of the buying and selling. Today, for the first time in history, this prophecy can now be easily fulfilled. The one-world government of the Antichrist could simply block someone's electronic bank account and credit cards, which would completely cut off their ability to purchase goods. The Greek word used for the mark of the beast is kerygma, In ancient times, the word kerygma was always associated with the Roman emperor. It was his official stamp or seal, which contained his name, his image, and the year of his reign. It was necessary for buying and selling, and it was on all documents to attest to their validity. The Antichrist will use his mark in the same way. The mark will identify allegiance to the Antichrist. It will be on the right hand or forehead, and it will be visible like a tattoo. When I was growing up, only soldiers and sailors had tattoos. A woman never, ever had a tattoo unless she worked for the circus. Today, it's a rare exception for a woman not to have a tattoo. Society has completely changed. And it could very well be that the mark is some type of a tattoo. Those who refuse the mark of the beast will be persecuted and shut out of society altogether. No one will buy their services or products. They'll be barred from employment and shopping. Eventually, they will face bankruptcy and starvation. Those who receive the mark of the beast will suffer eternal judgment. 
Taking the mark signifies approval of the Antichrist. No one accidentally takes the mark of the beast. People will choose to do so with all the facts on the table. All who take the mark of the beast will be consigned to eternal fire, damnation, and wrath. Their suffering will last forever since they choose to worship and serve the Antichrist instead of serving and worshiping the one true God. The mark of the beast is 666. Bible interpreters have offered many suggestions as to the meaning of 666. Some believe that 7 is the number of perfection and 777 reflects the Trinity, so 666 points to the unholy Trinity. Some think that 666 is a computer chip, ID card, or barcode. Some believe that the number refers to a specific man. For example, many people said Ronald Reagan was the Antichrist because his name, Ronald Wilson Reagan, contains six letters in all three of his names. However, the Bible does not identify the Antichrist or interpret his number. Instead, the Bible says that when the Antichrist is revealed during the tribulation, the number of his name will be 666. Any guesses as to the Antichrist's identity or to his number before he is revealed is just speculation. I believe it's impractical to attempt to identify him until after the rapture. The Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6-9 through 9, that the rapture is a prerequisite to the Antichrist being publicly revealed. The rush toward a cashless society today is another of the signs that we're living at the end of this age. The coming of Jesus Christ could be very soon. Now, if you're a believer, that should motivate us to live for Him in these last days. But if you're not a believer, I pray that you seriously consider receiving Christ as your Savior right now. If you do so before the rapture comes, you'll join in that glorious gathering and miss the terrible tribulation. You see, you are guilty of sin, and your sins separate you from God. But Jesus Christ paid the price to redeem you. The price Jesus paid was worth more than any amount of money. Jesus paid for your sins with his blood when he died on the cross. If you turn away from your sin, turn to Jesus and believe on his name. You will be forgiven. Give your life to Christ now before your money and your time run out. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the coming New World Order and a cashless society, let me suggest you pick up a copy of the book Conspiracy by Dr. Dennis Cuddy. In Conspiracy, Dr. Cuddy teaches how the world's elites are working right now to bring order out of chaos and take control and take power. Conspiracy by Dennis Cuddy is available in our online bookstore. You can get a copy by calling 1-800-652-1144 or go to our online bookstore at swrc.com. This is James Collins reminding you that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Today in our Resource Center, we have a special three-book combo offer. Mark Hitchcock's books, Russia Rising, Israel and Iran, and Middle East Burning. 
Separately, each book is available for a gift of $15, but today you can get all three books for a gift of $25 or more when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. You can also order these resources online, swrc.com. Are we on the road to the apocalypse? Will there ever be peace in the Middle East? How are events in the Middle East affecting America today? Find out in these three amazing End Times books by Mark Hitchcock. Order your copy of Russia Rising, Israel and Iran, and Middle East Burning. 1-800-652-1144. Tomorrow, be sure to tune in and hear more about the Middle East and the End Times from Mark Hitchcock. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners like you. Visit swrc.com. Thank you.